0: Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: The curse has been lifted for Manchester City after losing three. Successive derbies on home turf. The Citizen put on a show against the Red Devils to consolidate their place on the Premier League summit. I'll be breaking down all the drama from the Etihad, along with Heath Piers. We'll also be talking much more Premier League, Serie a to come as well. MLS, some record numbers over here in North America, and much much more. Weekend recap. Heath Piers LME begins right now everybody, welcome to Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Lasso Pod on Twitter. We are everywhere you listen to your pods. YouTube.com forward slash Lasso. He is Heath Pierce. I am LME. Heath, what's up, buddy? How are you?
0: Uh, well, you know, I'm feeling a little guilty for my prediction before the weekend around this Manchester Derby. Having said that, I should have prefaced it and had a little asterisk that was depending on who plays in the games. What was it uh, again? I think I called a draw uh, for this one. I didn't think Man Man United was going to win, but I think I called the draw. I think may have yeah. called it a 1-1. But, you know, United was missing. I, I mean, I'm making excuses now. They probably would have lost anyway. <laughs> but I was hedging my bets on just the the track record at, at the Etihad. But uh, other than that, man, Arsenal win. I know that you're feeling good as well from your weekend. So, yeah, can't complain.
1: I know. We're feeling good. This is a good weekend to have uh, Heath, Pearce, and LME because we're going to Be gloating about our teams, of course, and the rest of the Premier League, but we'll get into it, everybody, Uh, as well as Jesse Marsh, who, despite playing well with Leeds United, lost to Leicester City, but we've got much uh, to talk about in the Premier League and beyond. And let's begin, of course. And by the way, everybody. Thank you. This is live, uh, interactive. I want your comments. Okay, I believe we have a few ones now. Jose, what's up? Hey, guys, what's up? Love the show. Thank you so much, Jose. Sancho has more speed than Ronaldo. Well, that's obvious, Jose. I mean, first of all, the age, right? Uh, are you talking about, like, prime Ronaldo? Because that, that's an argument, right, Heath? The Sancho is faster.
0: Yeah, Sancho is fast. Uh, Sancho is fast, but, like, you know, I'm worried about the Ronaldo argument right now. I mean, a number of fans are just speculating that he was just dropped and that there wasn't some sort of issue or perhaps he dropped himself uh, after potentially not being in the lineup. And so it was definitely a a hurt because I think Ronaldo rises to the challenge and Man City, once they got to the second half and they just start to wear on you and if you don't press as a unit, you started to see all these things that's supposed to make Man United good with Ranić of of, uh, Ragnick being able to press together and win the ball in good spots and all those types of things you know, city was able to break through more often than not, but yeah, there's certainly an argument to even peak times of Sancho and Ronaldo. Uh, but certainly now you have to say Sancho's faster than Ronaldo.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, like obviously Jose, I don't think there's a, there's a, I think the bigger question is, uh, and we'll ask it to everybody. Are Manchester United worse or better with Cristiano Ronaldo? I have my own thoughts about that, but I don't think we should take the blueprint from today because I think, uh, I just tweeted it. Heath, as we were promoting this show, Nobody should be surprised by this result. This Man City win uh, 4 1, two goals from Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, Point to the guy who took Kevin De Bruyne out of his fantasy team, by the way. Thanks a lot, Kevin De Bruyne. Mm. And two goals from Riyad Maris. Uh, There was obviously a goal from Jaden Sanchez, we just discussed. But nobody should be surprised by this result. Nobody. Okay. Man City and Liverpool are playing in a different league, a completely different world. Everybody else is playing in another. Manchester United are included in that by the way and i think and i've said it so many times manchester united just needs to not so i think the you know a certain number of fans are still holding on to the glory years of 90s you got to forget that it's over you got to press the reset button and and really rethink the squad rethink everything what what do you think i mean i'm not surprised by this victory i'm you know it's more about i guess you know the individual uh, errors. Obviously, Harry Maguire really took it today. A big criticism for him, as well. Not a good performance. What do you make of it overall?
0: I mean, it was Man City from the very start. There was a few moments when when United came back into it, and I thought, okay, here there might be a few moments where similar to City, where in transition or similar to Liverpool in transition, all of a sudden two, three, four passes, you're in the opponent's box, and maybe you can capitalize uh, with 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 uh, Diaz out in this match, but. I, when I, when I go back to my prediction and the logic I was using and I'm okay being wrong with this one because, you know, I was sort of hedging my bets on, on a it little bit of something. what I was hedging, yeah, right? and what I was hedging my bets on were look at the team that Manchester United have as individuals, right? In theory, Bruno Fernandes, world-class Paul Pogba world-class, at least with the national team, Anthony Alanga proving himself. Jane Sancho, you know, was one of the best players in the world an England international, You've got uh, uh, McFred in the midfield, which at times could be pretty strong. And then you have your back line, which I think has really struggled. But still, when I look at the the the, the, the quality of players that they have on, on this team, from Lingard to Marcus Rashford, you've got um, you know, Dalot, Juan Mata, Jesse Lingard. I mean, M- Matic, who, who who people have sort of talked highly of at times in in the most recent years. It's hard for me to un- truly understand how they're a four goal, and it could have been way more. Uh, if if City was a little more had a little more of a killer bite on bringing their attacks to a conclusion, being a little more patient in where that ball is when we, they got behind that United back line to say, okay, that that they're they're trapping, they they're trying to bait that ball across the back line. I'm gonna cut this one back. The times that they did is where they had a lot of success, but it was hard for me to really understand how a team like City can be that far out in front, individually matching up against Man United. And I know that's the story all season long is how to get these guys to play together. And are they the great group together? Which goes back to your question for, for the chat, which was, are they better without Cristiano Ronaldo? And it's like, no, I mean, you're always better when Cristiano Ronaldo's on the field because you're going to increase your chances of scoring and or winning. But you can't become a team with where Ronaldo is at right now. You can't develop, you can't grow as a team. But now you're stuck with this idea of when Ronaldo doesn't play, The argument is that why is he not playing? Why is he not in the team? Is he happy? The the weight that he carries within the locker room and all that stuff. So overall, a really dominating performance for long stretches for for Manchester City. And then you look at the quality in front of goal and and if you're going to give up chances, you're not going to clear your lines. You're going to allow combination play in and around your box in the way that Manchester City can. They're going to punish you and today they did.
1: Yeah, well, Man City dominated in every single stat aside from fouls and yellow cards, uh, 24 shots, for Man City, five for United, 10 on target, two for United, 70% possession, uh, 740 passes completed, 326 for Manchester United, you know, a bigger pass accuracy percentile. But I'll tell you this right now. This is it. Okay. You have a team, both teams have talent, like you said, all over, world-class. Here's the issue. One of them, okay, granted uh, a lot of money involved, a $300 million bench, et cetera. But one of them, has an identity and a collective sense of winning. Manchester United is a collection of individuals. It's been like that for a long time. They play well together. There is nothing, you know, every now and again, you saw that, of course, the Jaden Sancho equalizer. It's It's not to say that they're all lost. That's a complete sign of disrespect. But I think as a unit, and look at that table, as a unit for a very long time, they're a collection of individuals who are trying to work like a team, as opposed to... A team of individual talent, which is By what way, Man Luis, in Liverpool,
0: yeah. Let I me mean, the 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 Ronaldo signing is epitomizes the idea of signing 100%. individuals, right? 100%. I know there was pressure yeah. and there was the Man City, and we know all know the story. We don't have to repeat it. But no. the fact that you bring him in under this guise of oh, it'll just make the team better. No, yeah. it it increases the odds of scoring goals, it increases the the You know, it increases a number of things, but it doesn't increase the quality of the team. Correct. The team in itself has a bunch of these individuals that they've been struggling to bring together anyway. And I thought flashes before Ronaldo came in. And again, going back to Bruno Fernandes working with Mason Greenwood as the high striker early on in the season. Where does Sancho fit into the conversation there? Rashford, how do you work him in? There were little pieces that you start to go, okay, more like a Chelsea where we have the quality. Who's going to show up and be my best 11? Yeah. And we've continued to not be able to see that, whether Ronaldo's on the field or not.
1: Yeah, I, I've said, you know, I've said my piece about Ronaldo. It's exactly what you just said. Look, it's not Ronaldo. Ronaldo's not the problem. It's the symptom of getting him in the first place because United needed so many other things. Okay, when you look at the table, fifth in the Premier League, of course, and they're only a point behind Arsenal going for the Champions League spot, but they've played three extra games and above them, uh, you know, Tottenham on seven, they are three games uh, still left to play as well. Who And they're only five points behind. So there is a possibility here with West Ham, of course, not forgetting as well. They're still sticking around. There's a chance here, Heath. The United gets nothing. No European football. They get knocked out of the Champions League. It's done. You know, so w- what do we do there? Uh, obviously, we know that Ranić going to be done by the end of the season, but he's going to stick around in terms of uh, helping from a sporting uh, direct in perspective, Eric Ten Hag continues to be the name over and over again. Is is that it? Eric Ten Hag comes in and then this summer is fixed?
0: Oh, man, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it could be. It's just a matter of... He's a good manager, know, right? We know how good a, he is. He's a fantastic manager. But we're kind of at the end of an era here where you're going to have to have some wholesale changes. And that's going to require the club to probably cut ties with a number of big wages that you might not get the chances for. You're probably going to lose Paul Pogba. You're probably mm-hmm. going to have to make a change in the midfield. You're probably going to have to go out and get a good signing. And we've we've re- we noticed that big center back signings are hard to come by to get them right into the team. Obviously, Veron was out for this one, but <clears throat> uh, it, it, it's it's tough. It's tough to rebuild a team. And then you have to decide from that point where you saw what's, what's the plan with Rashford? What's going to happen to Greenwood? What's going to happen to Sancho? Is he want to stay or stick around? Under a new manager, maybe, maybe not. What you know? What's the deal with Ronaldo? What's the deal with Cavani? And you just start to go down this list, and you're like, okay, I could see there being one or two players that you could get in, and you're and you go, well, what about the rest of the team, right? And who's going to have this manager? That and, and it's hard because I don't. Th- I think we're past the era of loyalty to managers or managers' loyalty to clubs because it's just a, a revolving door now, and we're all caught in the romanticism of the Wenger era, of the Sir Alec Ferguson era, and a number of other eras of of managers that that did something great and they stuck around through good times and bads, but there were still a lot of bad times or average times when those coaches were around but there wasn't a panic it's there was still this belief and trust but now because of uh the chelsea investment from from a decade plus ago and then the man city investment it's hard for any club or any fan base to trust a coach to come in and say hey give it a year give it two years, give it three years, give it four years. We're building something here. We're going to, you know, we're on the verge of something. It's really hard for any club to believe that because money buys championships now. And it's changed the whole dynamic of, of patience and, and building where it's more of like, can you build while spending money? And all of that comes to fruition within 18 months. That's a really hard proposition, especially for a club, the size of man United that's struggled in the way that they have. And they've been on the cusp, you know, they've been on the verge of, of trophies for, for some years now, but not consistently.
1: Yeah, I mean, please, Morton, uh, you made a good comment there, uh, specifically about wages and how much uh, is being paid for certain players. Look, I have no problem with uh, spending a tremendous amount of money on squad, right? I mean, look at, of course, uh, you know, how Man City have done it. But it's about the right player. It's about the right concept. And until you have a sporting director that has a vision, until you have a manager who's sticking around to give you a vision, that's not going to happen. Look, Man United fans, here's what I want from you. If you're listening or watching, Uh, you know, call to watch. What do you want? What do you want? Because like, do you want to win the title again? Because you are so far away from that. It's ridiculous. Do you want to be in the Champions League? That's a little bit more realistic, but not doable at this moment. You're not in it for next season anyway or do you just want to stick around you know hoping for a european spot etc all of those objectives at this moment cannot be done if you don't have an identity that to me is the one thing all right let's talk about city for a second uh and specifically because liverpool winning against uh west ham this race heath pierce is now pretty exciting man city obviously have a game in hand they have 69 points liverpool who have sorry liverpool have a game in hand with 63 points man city with 28 games played with 69 points right there thank you des norris and they still have to play each other next month i mean it's gonna go down to the wire here do you see do you see any more twists and turns i mean as you talk let me look at the schedule but this is looking really great and dramatic
0: yeah it's uh it's going to come down to the wire. And I do think there will be more twists and turns. And I think not just, you know, kind of to put the the Manchester United story aside. I mean, obviously it helps that Wolves lost over the weekend and that race for a European spot is going to continue to be mm. uh, on fire. Like you said, with, with Arsenal and Spurs having games in hand, and then you have just West Ham in the, in the, in the thick of it with Manchester United and then Wolves as well, sort of lingering in that space. But with regard to the one and two, it's a crazy, crazy title race. Uh, and it's two teams that are in unbelievable form right now, and I do think both of these teams are capable of slipping up. We saw, in we saw, we saw a different side to uh, Liverpool in the League Cup, and it's the League Cup, but you still had your quality players on the field, and it was a different mode, it was a different speed, it was a more lackadaisical. It showed there was some vulnerabilities in this team if they're not turned on in their day. And same thing going back a few weeks ago when when City lost in the league there are some vulnerabilities. And so to think that both these teams are going to win out the rest of the way would be a little bit unrealistic. I think that match against them, I think it's April 10th that they play against it each is. other. Yep. Man love, City
1: hosting in. Liverpool, April 10th, 1130 a.m. Eastern.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, would love the, to see the, or or hear from you the, the strength of schedule for both of them, because it, well, it, is, it is going to come it's down true. to Let's likely the last run. week of the last week of the season uh, to really see something. I think.
1: Oh, God. Man City play Villa in the last day of the season. All right. Well, look, here, here's what's happening. OK. Oh, well, Natalie, hi. How are you? Thanks for being here once again, Natalie. If Manchester United failed to qualify for next season Champions League. Is that the worst, uh, you know, in terms of transfers ever? Uh, well, you know, I. what do you think, Keith? Listen, here's the problem. It's not the fault of the players when it comes to the inconsistency of management. It's not the fault of the players when it comes to the inconsistency of vision. Having said that, though, in the weekend preview, we said Ralph Ranić can only take the horse to water, can't make it drink. So uh, at what point do you say, you know, this is the blame on the players? And I mean, put it this way, Natalie, if they don't make the Champions League to me and they make you, Euro- you know, that's that's a that's a failure because they've spent they've spent money.
0: Yeah, but I think part of this, uh, okay, I mean, off the bat, yeah, it's a huge failure. But part of this is a cleanup act, right? Run out there cleaning up, getting rid of surplus to requirement players, moving them on in the winter transfer window. We're now going to head to the summer. You're going to have another wave of players. And I think it's going to take some convincing to the board and and others to know that you're past the best days, not best days of Paul Pogba, because we thought the same with, with Alba and he went to Barcelona and he's on fire again. They have the quality, but you're past the best days in which they are motivated within the current context of their career. And they need a fresh start. And that's better for them. And it's better for the club. Yeah. And you're going to have there, to continue a- to work, work towards that. We saw with Arsenal going out of Europe the, uh, last year that they've had a rebuild phase. And they've got, done it around young players. And they've built this team with a lot less pressure. It's allowed them to move on from the, air, the Arsene Wenger era of the good old days. i have always referencing that. And we've seen that come to fruition a little bit. And again... That's not the standard that Manchester United are going to demand. Manchester United play for trophies, right? Arsenal, I think, play for Champions League, and they've had good years. Manchester United are a different size club than than Arsenal. Uh, And I think the demand is always going to be higher. But the quicker they can move on past that era, make the changes that they have to do. And I think this is part of that project. If they don't make Champions League, it's a huge failure. But I think Champions League at times, or even Europa League at times, puts you in this vicious cycle of, well, maybe we can win the Europa League this year. And that will help things, right? It's like a it's a constant band-aid. And sometimes you really got to hit rock bottom for a club to really realize, "Hey, we've got to rebuild." And it's not rebuilding just signing players. It's rebuilding with a philosophy, a mentality, a manager, a staff, all those things that put you into the modern era and take you towards the future. Again, that's a huge risk. It's easier said than done to go and do that. Everybody's trying to do that. But for a club the size of Manchester United, there certainly has to be a come to Jesus moment at some point. And sometimes that's falling short of anything that could be a distraction or a band-aid over what's uh, a larger or more systemic issue.
1: Well, look, there's another league. It's Man City and Liverpool. You want to join that, you got to press the reset button once again. All right, so uh, just very quickly, we were talking about the title race, Liverpool-Man City, April 10th. Liverpool still have the Merseyside Derby later that month. They still got to play Tottenham uh, away at Newcastle, which, you know, could be very interesting. Southampton's not going to be easy, of course. And now Watford side, that's probably going to try and get out of it. But they also have, uh, you know, they're visiting Liverpool, uh, in a few weeks as well, you know, so that's interesting, right? So if we look at Man City's schedule, which is also a little bit difficult, I mentioned that they finish up the season hosting Aston Villa, but also, and by the way, I'm not including the fact that how deep they go in the Champions League as well, but they have to uh, travel to Crystal Palace, they have to uh, face a Burnley side at home, which, you know, we'll see how how tough they, they'll be. After that, right after that is the Liverpool game, Then they got Watford away at Leeds United. They have to host Newcastle. Theirs is a little bit more doable. A trip to West Ham. It's it's similarly difficult. The key is going to be how deep they go into the Champions League. And, of course, that April 10th match is going to be massive. Let's move on. Let's talk about your arsenal. Yeah, Keith Pierce, uh, very exciting game. All the goals were crackers. Bukayo Saka was on it. Uh, Martinelli with a great finish, which by the way, that goal was started off by Mikel Arteta. He picked the ball when it went for a throw in <laughs> and then he just gave it quick and boom, uh, three, two to them. They're looking good, man. Uh, what what do you think of your gunners?
0: Yeah, I thought it was another great performance. Obviously got a little bit uh, uh, close in the end when when Watford came back, but it was one of those things where Watford scored a goal. And the old Arsenal, you would have seen go into an absolute panic. And this is kind of where I'm focusing on just sort of the mentality of the team right now. As soon as they gave up that goal, they settled in. There was a confidence to see out the rest of the game. And there wasn't this normal. Watford's going to throw it into the mixer. They're going to get backed in. They're going to drop in. They were closing in spaces. They were sitting a little bit deeper, but the players were all connected. And there was an understanding of hey, we just gave up a goal. It's getting a little bit closer. Let's see out this result. And, and by the way, the Hernandez goal was phenomenal, too. A, a beautiful... Oh, my I, God. Hernandez
1: is yeah. yeah. If you didn't see it, was it a, a corner, I believe? And then it was like a scissor kick. Oh, beautiful.
0: And the Odegaard goal, great build-up play, yep. combination play. A little bit of luck with the touch in there, but it comes back to Odegaard, slots that one home. Just some really good goals from Martinelli and Saka. And just, yeah, a, a really good performance uh, for them. I'm worried about Watford and the way in which uh, they're going right now. Uh over the last sort of, I think 15 or 17 games, they've really, really struggled maybe one win or something like that or two wins. And yeah, they're, they're in a tough place, but with regard to, to Arsenal, just a clinical performance of professionalism, staying in game, some good combination play a game where you go, Oh, we're getting better. We're continuously getting better. We, we face some adversity at certain times game goes to one goal and you close it out with professionalism. They slow the game down. Yeah. There was some, you know, of that, uh, slowing the game down on the sidelines and fouls and scraps and delaying the game and all that sort of stuff that's part of uh, game management. But ultimately, there was this confidence of like, OK, they came back. Wake up call. Let's close this off. Let's shut it down. Where normally a goal back in against Arsenal, when they're weaker or more fragile mindset, they're uh, they're they're susceptible to giving up that goal that goes to a draw and even give, uh, giving up one that gives up uh, the all three points.
1: Well, Champions League-wise, uh, they're fourth right now. They're looking good because, as I mentioned, they have some games in hand. Manchester United, who are fifth, have played 28. They've played 25. But here's something interesting that I kind of just realized. like They have a game in hand of Chelsea. And if they win that game, you know, uh, they're not far off from Chelsea at all, actually. 49, 50, 51. There'll be two points behind Chelsea. Two points behind Chelsea after that, Heath Beers. That's pretty good. It's really good.
0: Uh and obviously Chelsea have some game. It's a, it's a really weird time to speculate on positioning in the table just because you go Man City 28 points, Liverpool 20, I mean 28 played, Liverpool 27 played, Chelsea 26, Arsenal 25. And then you get into Manchester United and West Ham where you go, okay, it's a lot clearer of a picture for them. They're on 28 and they're falling back. So there's just way too many games in hand to assume that they're going to make Champions League spots let alone, you know, potentially European spots with where where it's all falling together. So uh it's it's really close. And they're gonna be tight to 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 Chelsea. And I think Chelsea have shown some some fight and some effort and some uh just will surrounding the controversies of the club right now and putting a dominant performance, another great performance from from uh Christian Pulisic as well over the weekend. So it's not gonna be easy, but I do like Arsenal's chances to continue to stay in that top four, if not fight for a, a third place finish.
1: Absolutely. But well done, Miguel Arteta and Arsenal as you continue to climb, of course. And I think uh not having the headache of European football probably helps you as well. Just having that focus, but that's uh, all right. Let's get, let's finish the premier league with some other quick fire storylines. Uh, I'll I'll give you a few of them. You tell me where you want to go. I believe maybe Jesse Marsh will be one of them, but Jesse Marsh, of course, no reward for them, but they did play well. They seemed more organized, better, uh, more disciplined, I guess. uh, But uh, Leicester city win that game. Uh, Then Christian Eriksson returning uh, Brentford, blowing out Norwich, By the way, Uh, Liverpool uh, beating West Ham. But West Ham had some chances in that game. They really did. Uh, So, you know, take that from what you will. And Chelsea's win marred by fans chanting Roman Abramovich during the show of support to the people of Ukraine. I mean, what are you doing? It's an applause. It's like, you know, one message. You know, Thomas Tuchel said it himself. Just one message doesn't have to, you know, uh, disrespect another. Uh, Jose, my question as a Leeds fan, which three teams... Do you guys see being relegated? Well, my my answer is very quick on that one, Jose. I think it's exactly the group that's in it right now: Burnley, Watford, Norwich. I don't know what you think, Keith.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, it is again. I'm talking. I'm I'm very biased right now towards obviously Brentford get a huge win over the weekend. Uh, Leeds are going to figure it out. If I go back to that game in itself, uh, one thing that they did well is they pressed well together, right? Which means the chaos of which they did before, Bielsa, allowed them to create a lot of goal-scoring opportunities. They're going to give up some of those goal-scoring opportunities to have more shape and learn how to build up play and when they win the ball, what to do at that point, and a little more of a uh, controlled and, and collective uh, approach to defending. So they look better, but they ultimately lost that game, right? And I think that's a, a little bit of a, uh, a, not alarming, they just don't have a lot of time to figure it out. Right. They they made huge strides over the weekend, but they're gonna have to start getting results. And by the way, Harvey Barnes back in great form again. And that's another shout for for, for England, still young enough to go back into the England squad, uh now that he's back healthy again and, yeah. and, and playing well uh for Leicester City. But yeah, that's one that that I am a bit concerned about, but I do I do agree with you, Luis. I just when I think about uh Everton, when I think about Brentford, who obviously, I think, have been on a bit of a free fall, but, but overall... A big win this
1: weekend, yeah, a big, I think. Yeah.
0: huge win this weekend. Yeah. But when I think about Everton and Leeds, I think about two huge clubs that have at least the capability of waking up at some point from this nightmare of a moment they're in and putting together, similar to Newcastle, one, two, three, four, where you go draw, win, draw, win, and now all of a sudden, the whole outlook is different, right? Now they're in the safety zone. And I don't know... And I don't believe, I mean, I I feel like I know Watford, Burnley and Norwich don't have the, they can get three points on occasion. They can get a point on occasion, but how they go about getting those points every single weekend is a mystery to me in terms of the quality of players they have, the performance that you need from those quality of players versus the opponents or the strength of schedule that you have. And so it's hard for me to think anybody else, but those three are going to go down in the end. Having said that, you know, crazier things have happened, but it's hard for me to believe that. And Everton or Leeds won't wake up at some point. Just like we, I mean, we talked about it all the way to through December and early January about Newcastle saying, could they actually go down? What will happen with this three hundred million dollar investment? And what's it going to be for this massive? Club and it worked these- January
1: yeah. transfer window worked. I mean, look yeah. at how they're doing. They got a good win this weekend as well. By the way, Burnley, Norwich City, and Watford are all playing each other as well. So that's yeah. going to be helpful for Leeds and Everton, who, by the way, also have some games in hand. Ilyas, uh, what's up? Thank you so much once again for being part of the family. Uh, by the way, please like, comment, subscribe, and share our channel. We are getting close to 10,000 subscribers. Uh, it's been a little bit slower trying to get to that 10K. So come on, help us with it. All right, we're going to take... Wait, a- wait, wait. Yeah. no, no break yet, no break yet. We have to talk about... Uh, Christian Erickson and the hug. Oh yeah. Brandon that was Williams. so funny. Not, go ahead. Like, He's set to the, scene. World,
0: the world is horrible right now. And yeah. this was just one of those uh, moments where if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. So Brandon Williams is in a scrap with Christian Erickson. They're going to the ground and it looks like it's going to turn to one of these shoving matches. And then as soon as Brandon Williams notices that it's Christian Erickson, he just lays down on him and hugs him. <laughs> and there's just this it's moment. So good. Yeah. That you're just like, Man, we live in a vortex. We live in a vacuum. We spend all of our time watching this game. We've got crazy stuff happening in Mexico that's horrific. We, we, you know, the, the the we've got Chelsea and Abramovich. We've got all these things. That this was just one moment where I was just like, man.
1: It was so good. It
0: was just really, really. If you can watch
1: the video again, yeah, Williams is uh, there. It is. He's like he 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 gets he turns right. He's about. He's got his eyes are on fire. He wants to kill someone. He sees Christian Eriksson's face and he's like, "Christian, my bad," and hugs him. It was just beautiful. Yeah, it it was great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just. And again, it just takes you. It's like in a it's like in a, a show, Luis. You you spent a lot of time on stage in theater, where like that fourth wall gets broken ever so often, and it's just like this moment of like, oh, the, we're all humans, and those are people up there. Yeah. And it was like they it was like for me as a fan, it was just like this thing. Instead of watching it on the screen, I just felt a part of something and it was it was cool it had to be mentioned before we went to the break so no no
1: well said my friend well reminded excellent but now we're going to take a break everybody when we come back uh we'll do a little bit of a champions league report card of the teams that are playing the champions league coming up and how they did this weekend so we can give you a sort of preview preview uh looking ahead we'll also talk about of course uh, elsewhere in europe including a good run from barcelona by the way uh and we'll look ahead to uh napoli against milan which is coming up very very soon on paramount plus plus mls records in charlotte as uh heath mentioned sadly some tragedy in liga mx final thoughts and that should be it so we're going to take a break lasso weekend recap heath pierce lme we'll be right back
0: mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to Bluenile.com. That's Bluenile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: everybody. Welcome back to Que Go Lasso. We Weekend Recap. Heath, Pierce, LME over here, and we are now going to continue. Uh, before I do that, by the way, 2022 marks the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and the Attack in Third podcast is celebrating the anniversary all of March for Women's History Month. Each Tuesday during March, hosts Lisa Roman and Sandra Herrera will chat with some groundbreakers in women's sports from Sam Mewis, Katrina Adams to Amy Trask and Leslie Weiser. Listen to Attacking Third's Title nine Tuesdays on Apple Pod, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. I believe it was a podcast of the week in Spotify. So great job there, ladies. Uh, keep up the really good work. All right, let's keep going here. It's our Champions League report card. Four teams will seal their passage to the quarterfinal stage of the Champions League this week while four teams will bow out of Europe. So Heath and I are going to discuss how all eight of the teams got into this weekend to try and entertain what kind of form they're going to be heading into the round of 16 in the second leg. Let's begin Bayern against Salzburg. OK, that's one all. All right. Uh, uh, Bayern tied Leverkusen and Salzburg won 4 nothing against Altach. 18 points clear at the Austrian title race. This is an intriguing one. Heath Pierce, and a reminder that no way go anymore so you know I I you, there's none of that uh, psychology at the very least I'm not that convinced with Bayern Munich what say you
0: Yeah I'm not convinced either uh, you know I went back and watched uh portions of the game and then and then watched the highlights a couple times through in that one and Bayern don't look the same Bayern obviously it was a freak own goal from um I'm blanking on his name right now, but I'll uh, find
1: out if you keep on talking.
0: It was, uh, it was, um, I, I have a, a Thomas Mueller.
1: Um, Oh, that's right. Freak, it was a really a, weird own goal from Tos- weird own goal. Goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: the whole Bayern team dropping into their own box and nobody's around it. Nobody's attacking it. It's a freak own goal, but for the first half and and I've, I, if there's one person that I go after and, and don't get me wrong, Nicolas Sula, he scored for Bayern. Um, but I go after him all the time because I don't think he's a Bayern quality defender, and Pumacano and him together, I think, look slow. They look a step off, and I'm I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park for 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 this side against the Salzburg team that's sort of playing all bets are off and sort of playing with house money right now, and there's a belief that they can get past this Bayern Munich side, and so when I when I looked at just large portions of the game against Leverkusen and Leverkusen are third place in the league, right? They're a high performing team right now. They've got so much young talent mm. that uh, I don't want to write off the quality that they have, but they dominated a lot of stretches. They had a lot of opportunities. And if they were more clinical, you might've seen all three points go to Bayer Leverkusen. There's a few chances. And you know, you're always in a game when Bobby Lewandowski's on the field and things like that. But, I wouldn't give them a great report card. I'd give them sort of a C going into this game, just in terms of the fact a that they've, okay. they've kept. I mean, the Bundesliga is won every year by Byron. It shouldn't even be. It, it shouldn't even be. Close, their right? standards
1: is a C. I agree. Yeah. But
0: it's close. It's, it's, I mean, it's not that close, but it's, it, it's, it's close enough to where Borussia Dortmund are still in it with a weakened squad, a squad that hasn't been the same in years. And they're not winning. It, I kind of take them back to. I would liken them to sort of Man City sort of over the last month before this convincing win over Manchester United where you go, okay, they're still winning. They're still getting results. They're not losing games, but they don't look great. Something looks off. They either look tired. They look like they're going through the motions. They don't have the challenge. They don't have the stimulation. Something is up with Bayern that I think maybe it's not this, this, this Champions League round, but if they keep up that pace or that type of form, I do think that they're vulnerable and could go out in this competition early.
1: I mean, it was a really exciting first leg. And uh, Salzburg have some great, great, talented players. And, of course, we talked about how good Brendan Aronson was in that game. But there's a lot of youth and talent. And I don't think they're going to be entering or visiting Bayern Munich in this game thinking, oh, my God, uh, you know, oh, oh, woe is me. They're going to go for it. And I don't think they're going to be patronized. I think a C for Bayern Munich at this point is goo and probably a a minus for Salzburg, right? I mean, they're, they're running away with the title and stuff. They would they drew against Lask the previous game. So this should be an intriguing one. I still think Bayern will go through, but we're gonna do a, a massive Champions League preview for this one. We just wanted to give you the early report card. Let's keep moving. Liverpool against uh, Inter Milan, Liverpool with a two-nothing aggregate. Um Inter. Won 5 nothing against Salernitana. Salernitana are terrible. So, you know, take that from what you will. And Liverpool, as I mentioned, beat West Ham. Heath Pierce won nothing. Obviously, some good stuff there, uh, you know, from the Reds. But they did invite West Ham into the game on multiple occasions. It required even a goal line clearance and a really good performance from uh, TAA, Trent Alexander-Arnold. So what do you give this game and the report card for this game as Liverpool host Inter Milan? Yeah,
0: I mean, Liverpool, I think, take this game out, are still coming in close to an A-plus in terms of their form. Obviously, you take the League Cup performance out of it in the last couple of weeks, and they're still just a, a, just a runaway train in terms of their ability to attack and stay on the same page with their defense, how to mitigate risks, how to manage a long season right now. They're in a really good spot, obviously, going into this game. I don't think that they're going to slip up against Inter Milan. But Inter Milan is another story, right? They're they're in a league where they're in the thick of competition. They probably know they don't have the ability or quality to go deep into the tournament. If they go out here, it does sort of position them in the way that they were positioned last year, where they went out, didn't even make the Europa League and Champions League, and then went on this sort of run. It's a lot later in the year to be able to do that. Things are much closer. They needed uh, to- this victory
1: against but, Alernitana. They needed yeah.
0: It was a it was a convi- I mean, Salerno Tana are probably or most definitely going to go down. Uh, and so they should have won. But it's a convincing win that shows sort of who is the king of the castle in in the league right now. So regardless of how it plays out in the Champions League, I think this win for Inter Milan and, and, and whether they go through or not, which I don't think they will, is going to propel them uh, into what could be a, a run for the title uh, and a great finish to the season domestically.
1: Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is that Inter, all they need is two goals because obviously, uh, you know, two goals just uh, evens it out. But to your point, I think Liverpool are too strong. But, you know, Inter are top of the table as we speak in Serie A so that can give them some confidence. But we'll see. All right, let's move on. Well, I mean, this is an easy one, right? Man City with a 5-0 aggregate against Sporting. uh, The Manchester derby, obviously, Manchester City we talked about. They just uh, uh, steamrolled over Manchester United, uh, but sporting did win two-nothing against Aruka, uh, a, a Slimani brace, by the way. Uh so what, what do you make of this one? Uh, Man City surely an A plus right now.
0: Man City's an A plus. I would have given them you go back a week, I would have probably given them a B, somewhere like that, or or sort of trending downward on a B plus type of thing where they could be falling back. Just again, not because of results. They're continuing to get results, but in the way in which they were getting results, they they just seemed a little bit more lackluster, almost like they were in a little bit of an ebb. Uh, this season and this bounce back is going to be a huge. It's almost like you wish that they were playing against somebody better, like a PSG or something, in a round like this, where you're like, okay, a team that's in form. I want to see them go after somebody and have it not be a, a final, which will likely see City in a final again. But yeah,
1: they're they're probably going to rest some players in this one. Yeah,
0: time to rest players. And then obviously, Isla Slamani with a brace. I remember just a couple of years ago when that guy was scoring goals for fun. But yeah. this, this is just too wide of a margin uh, to, to to overcome. And regardless of, you could give you could give them an A+, plus and I still don't think they're going to carve their way back into anything worthwhile in this game.
1: Yeah, and as I mentioned, more to come from our Champions League preview coming up uh, later on and the beginning of next week, which is tomorrow. All right, we'll finish the report cards with the biggest one of them all uh, for the new true, at the very least, uh, Real Madrid hosting PSG, who have a one-goal lead, but it's been a really sort of contrasting Weekend for both sides, Heath Pierce. First of all, PSG loses to Nice one nothing. As Jimmy Conrad says, uh, Nice are nice in this one. They won one nothing. Uh, Andy Lord at the death. And by the way, Neymar lashed out at Amin Guri for showboating. Isn't that something he, he's,
0: yeah. <laughs> he's talk about the pot calling the kettle black in That's that exactly one. It, yeah. I mean, it was, it was final whistle. And then he did a little trick that Neymar would probably do during the game. And he kind of gives him a little shove and it was a little bit of this spoiled brat mentality. From, I get from Neymar, yeah. but like, you would think that they'd be able to look at each other and be like, I like the way, cause Corey has that uh, style of play that like, you know, clever on the ball, good footwork. You would think that there'd be a mutual respect. And of course it's right after the final whistle, they lose the game. And there's some frustration there. The most
1: notable point is that Neymar gave away the ball for the goal. So that's something to think about. But anyway, I mentioned there was a contrasting weekend for both of these sides. I said PSG lost to Nice, but Real Madrid looked great against uh, Real Sociedad coming back from behind. Some ridiculous goals. Uh, Gamavinga with a screamer. Rodrigo was excellent. Luka Modric, by the way. Please watch this goal. A little bit of a hesitation as soon as he got the ball at the beginning. Then he pushes it to his left foot. Woo. Upper 90. It was an absolute beauty, but now these are two sides from uh, contrasting weekends and Real Madrid is so I tell you what, Heath Pierce, what do you see in this? I mean, first of all, give me your report cards on both sides from the weekend.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a C for me for, for just from the weekend itself. Not i I know I went with some sort of like current form. Uh, no, report just a weekend. Weekend. Yeah. 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 But for this weekend for PSG, I'm giving it a C. I mean, Nice had a ton of chances. It wasn't just like it was a, You know, your usual storyline where PSG loses 1-0 to another team in the league that 50 shots, the other team had zero, they finished their one shot and it's 1-0. Like, Nice had the better chances Mm. in the run of play. There was a couple breakaways that PSG had, which are probably the clearest chances of the game. But in terms of in the run of play, Nice dominated uh, a lot of the attack in that game. And it went back and forth throughout c- certain periods. But yeah, I'm 11
1: shots just... to PSG's eight, six yeah. on target to PSG's two.
0: Yeah. yeah, It was it was a pretty good performance from, from Nice in this one. And quite frankly, they, they deserved the win, if not at least a point. So I'm, giving, I'm going with a C for PSG going into this one. And on the flip side, I'm going with an A for Real Madrid. One, because since that loss to PSG, they've looked different in the league. You know, Carvajal was a guy that I thought was one of the weakest performances against PSG, which you don't usually think you see a player of that quality and that experience and, and that mentality out of place. And he looked completely out of place against PSG, like one of those like halftime sub kind of guys. And he looked really good this week and one of the best players on the field. Benzema continues to score. You've got Rodrigo back in form. You've got um, uh, Vinicius Jr. is phenomenal right now. And this PSG side, while they're not young... And while they might not have the pace and quickness and transition, they're playing at home in this one. So I'm giving them an A and I actually like their odds of going into this one nil, even though they were completely, I think Des just threw those stats up on the screen from the first leg. It was horrible. A uh, leaning towards PSG. It was a horrible performance from uh, a club, the size of Real Madrid. But when I've looked at their form in, in recent weeks, since that last game, I really like it, and especially this weekend, a really dominant performance with some phenomenal goals. Now, if they can come up with phenomenal goals, they can beat anybody, right? It's hard to co- consistently score world-class goals in the way that they did this weekend. But yeah, um, I like their odds against this PSG. If PSG come out, anything like they did against Nice.
1: Yeah, I mean, to your point, after losing to PSG, and you see the stats here once again, Real Madrid won three, nothing against Alaves. They won one, nothing against uh, Rayo Vallecano. They, and they just beat Real Sociedad 4-1, a very good performance uh, so this is going to be a really intriguing matchup and as I mentioned Champions League preview watch out for that. Elsewhere in Europe Barcelona by the way their run is fantastic I think it's 11 undefeated I think since Xavi took over they've only lost twice Heath Pierce. I think they beat uh, Elche 2-1 Ferran and Memphis secure the comeback win Xavi is on a roll and also Juventus beat Specia one nothing and by the way napoli against milan is to come very soon on Paramount Plus right after you watch this tune in to Paramount Plus 7 day free trial and we'll be discussing the outcome of that game by the way and the state of the scudetto race on Thursday's calling calcio our calling calcio show every thursday christin keep and uh, you know, rotation of Paramount plus talent. But anything from that, uh, Barcelona, Juventus, uh, do you have anything else in Europe, Heath Pierce? Barcelona, man, they're looking good. Yeah, and they've got a
0: game in hand. I mean, if they if they were to win that, they'd be within four points of Sevilla at second mm. place. Again, I think it's a little cart before horse to start having that conversation because they're still a couple points only ahead of Batiste and 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 Atletico Madrid and and even Sociedad is still uh, within reach of them. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it's certainly a great start for Xavi. It's funny, you used to think about Barcelona back in the day with like two losses in a season. And we're talking about Xavi since he came in, two losses. But again, it's a it's a sign of progress and they're doing it in an entertaining way. And now they're starting to get production from other players around the field and you're starting to spread out uh, who's contributing, whether it goals and assists, as well as who's having top performances. We talked about Desk being in great form right now. They went with Danny Alves today. And so they're just starting to get the most out of the team and not just, you know, a single individual who has to deliver for them. So that's one that I think is, is really certainly, uh, is certainly uh, worth paying attention to.
1: Absolutely. All right. Let's move on. We're nearly done here. Uh, We'll, we'll come now to North America. MLS, by the way, Charlotte, well done. Uh, I believe the number is 74,479. That's a record in MLS attendance for their first ever home opener. They did lose one nothing to the Galaxy. Efraín Alvarez with a great goal. And then there was a nice moment at the end. Sasha Cleston and Chris Kerr had reunion. Uh, Google for more on that. It was a very emotional moment. Uh, but wow, huh? nearly 75,000 Heath peers. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible atmosphere. And again, it's setting the standard, right? And obviously you want what you want to see is that team be successful to support that. LAFC were the last team that I think had an example. That Austin has a great fan base too. Not the best performances last season. Uh, Cincinnati hasn't had the best performances since they came in the league. But when you think about sort of matching up that fan base, which each of these newer teams, these new-ish teams have, uh, you certainly want to have a, a good performance or a good team as well. Obviously, it was a hard-fought loss in their opener and always tough to put out a brand new team onto the field. But that Efrain Alvarez banger was so nice. I had a chance to work with them actually for some paramount plus work we were doing for the champions league, uh, uh, post game shows. Uh, and the, when you watch him strike the ball, just how clean he strikes the ball, you're like, Oh yeah, this is a guy that's going to hit some bangers in his career where he just has that consistent strike on the ball. That's really nice, but a huge, huge win for them. And then obviously the Sasha question, Hagar, uh, moment, Sasha visited this, this player in the hospital who, who had, uh, when, when Sasha was playing in LA or was in LA at one point, this was a young, a young man with, with, I can't, I I don't know if it was a, um, uh, kidney a liver, of, a liver, liver liver Yeah, it, it was a cancer and, and now, uh, making his debut for, for, for the team and Sasha getting to see him ran into his parents in, in the hotel lobby. It was like a really incredible, you know, heartwarming, another nice heartwarming story, from the weekend that I was like instantly like retweet. This is such a cool thing that like, I'll read about the full details later, but I, it's like one of those things where I saw it. I was like, I need to uh share this with other people. So yeah, really cool story there.
1: There was other nice story. Well, not nice, but some interesting stories, uh, by the way, Lewis Morgan, by the way, Miami FC reject Lewis Morgan puts three past Toronto, Toronto FC, by the way, my God, I wonder if Lorenzo and is like uh, <laughs> get it together, everybody. I don't want to come to a, depressed press city and Iguain was called out as well. Uh, Chicago fires. Fabian Herberts blasted him his attitude after the Miami opener, saying this guy's so pathetic. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I appreciate uh, some honesty once in a while, you know. Yeah, and um, body language is a thing where sometimes players get a get away with that, right? You watch that in games, and you have just some players that are just constantly negative, throwing their hands up, throwing their hands down, throwing, you know, kind of like. Effing off their 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 teammates and things like that, and when they deliver on the field, you go, yeah, that's the mentality, that's their character, that's the thing. And they're, you know, it gets spun into this like, you know, it's it's sort of the Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like that sort of era of like, yeah, they're 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 assholes because they're competitors and because they expect the best and because that's the way that they're wired. And then you have other guys that you you know people just want to call out and whatnot. So I appreciate uh, occasionally having uh players stand up or speak out on on things like that which which makes makes the league more entertaining anyway.
1: Absolutely. Um sadly we have to talk about this it's uh, it's uh, Heath mentioned it at the top uh Liga MX the weekend's games and Liga MX have been postponed as a sign of solidarity with those affected by what happened in Querétaro as they were hosting Atlas yesterday Atlas were winning 1-0 and then just, it was horrible, a horrific, uh, you know, basically a brawl all over the stadium onto the pitch. Uh, you know, we want to be, you know, we want to make sure we're good on these reports. We don't want, we we still are trying to get more information, of course, but 26 hospitalized, three of those in critical condition. It was a, a riot that was, you know, that the basically within the stadium uh, during or before, you know, the conclusion of this game. And Miguel Arriola, from Liga MX, by the way, said, inadmissible and regrettable violence in the stadium. La Corregidora de Querétaro, those responsible for the lack of security at the stadium, will be punished in an exemplary manner. I mean, listen, the only thing I'm just going to say is, because we're still finding all this information, it's an absolute tragedy. It's horrible. Liga MX, aside from suspending matches, should really just not have action at all until this full investigation is completed. I think Querétaro should not even have a game hosted or played uh, until they can figure themselves out. I, I feel my heart breaks for just fans who just wanted to go and watch a game. And by the way, you know, we're talking about a league within a nation that's about to host the World Cup in a few years, you know, who's already had some issues in other situations, homophobic chant, et cetera. Violence is, is not something new in Liga MX, okay? I'm not a Liga MX expert, but I have covered it. I, You know, and obviously I know the intricacies and what happens in Latin America. I'm just saying this. Liga Mekis has to get its shit together and Querétaro as well, because this could not happen. It's an uh, abomination of a tragedy. And I feel for those who were affected, that had nothing to do with it. Uh, and the people, the Mexican people, are the ones that suffer the most. he's your thoughts on it.
0: Yeah. You know, supporter culture is romanticized in a lot of uh, by by western fans and anybody who's gone into a curva around the world or into the bara brava or any of these supporter groups and you you feel the energy and the excitement around it and sort of the 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 intense warlike tribalism that exists in that it's such a magical experience when it's harnessed the right way and then you see the what took place and it's horrific and it's you know fights happen all the time outside of 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 stadiums inside of stadiums there's violence that takes place across all sports around the world right uh in these things but the scenes that i saw and again i know we're still waiting there's speculation that there's been a number of deaths and i don't want to spread rumors about sort of the legal responsibilities of if somebody's taken away and like all these things that are happening we're going to find out more about all this but watching the sheer lack of respect for humanity of Bodies laying around the ground and people running by and continuing to mount violence and injury upon limp bodies was horrific for me uh, to experience and horrific for anybody. And I can't think of the fear of the young families uh, that were in the stadium. There's photos of, of young families hiding behind seats and things like that, just waiting for it all to end and people just wearing the wrong shirt now being in danger. And not to say that, that anybody should ever be in danger if they're looking for fights or looking for trouble. You should never have to be fearful of your life. But to, to, to just sort of see the fact that there was a number of people just at risk just for wearing the wrong color is, is a major issue. And whether it's suspension, sanctions, cancellation, sales of the team, something needs to be made an example of this team. It needs to be made an example of the people involved. They need to be held accountable. And it's just not okay. And again, we can put it on sec- like stadium security, but there is it's very if you were to mob a field, there's no security in the world that could stop that. If you were to run a field from any open gate and push 50 to 100 people through or 20 people through, there's no security in the world that can stop uh like sort of uh rows and rows of fans getting into things like that. Security cannot, security are probably even trained to mitigate major issues, which they weren't able to do in that context. So I don't want to shift the conversation away. And I do think security, I think overall that the club, the league, I think the team and those fans specifically need to be held accountable. There needs to be justice to all of this because it's, it's wrong. And, and I don't have, I'm not an expert on it either. I'm not an expert on the laws there, but I know that there should be no place in the world where fans go to enter to, 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 be entertained Buy a soccer match at any level and should ha- and should be fearful of their lives?
1: Yeah, well said, my friend, Dan. Liga MX, and we need transparency. Transparency and, you know, responsibility for everything that's going on. And again, our thoughts go to anybody that was affected from this, specifically, as you mentioned, those young families. All right, well, let's try and finish off on a positive note here. Heath Pierce, any final thoughts? I'll give you mine first. Are you ready? I just want everybody to just go to Derby County's Twitter account, uh, they won. They snapped a three-run of losses. Uh, by the way, if you don't know the story, Derby County, of course, you know the club itself breached financial implications. Uh, EFL gave them twenty-one point deduction. They were twenty points away from safety in November. Now, thanks to Wayne Rooney, they're five points away from safety. It's kind of unbelievable. But this game yesterday, uh, they won two nothing. Ravel Morrison, the Jamaican player, uh, one of his goals, he scored a brace, was artistry, my friend. Just go on Derby County, just watch it. It's absolute magic. That's my final thought. And Wayne Rooney, if he achieves this with Derby and they stay safe in the championship, give him every single managerial award. It's unbelievable unbelievable i don't care about your pay guardiolas it's unbelievable if he manages to keep derby in the championship after 21 point deduction and by the way it's worth mentioning as well that he turned down the everton job just to stay at derby i think part of the reason is because he felt he wasn't ready for the everton whatever he just i think he felt he still owed it to the derby fans if he stays with derby in the championship after 21 point deduction I'm sorry. You deserve every single award. Watch this go. It was amazing. Heath, your final thoughts.
0: So they're five points clear. They've got 10 games to go, right? And they're in this incredible run of form, which I think is unbelievable. Also wanted to point out that Fulham are also on a tear. Tim Ream, who hasn't been able to get a call up since staying back for, I don't remember what reason kept him back and then not getting a call in since then. Certainly deserves to be talked about. Maybe he's not at the international level anymore, but certainly bringing a team back up to the Premier League is worth, has to be worth, uh, some sort of value uh, as well, and then you know my final note was was actually from from the weekend when you had mentioned um, the the uh, I'm, I'm blanking on him. Uh, Lewis Morgan, sorry, uh, scoring that goal. I mean, uh, Red a Bull New York trick, was supposed there? to – yeah a hat trick. It, it, he they were they were supposed to be really bad. They got absolutely battered by LAFC. I don't think they won one any of their preseason games against professional or, or MLS level competition. Mm. Uh, and then and then went into the season, opened up with a W, and then got another W against Toronto, who are supposed to be a pretty good team. They're in a rebuild period right now under Bob Bradley, but yeah, pretty impressive from 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 Red Bull there. And then yeah, the shout out to to Tim Ream and Robinson at uh, at Fulham uh, is, is is certainly worth worth mentioning when we're on the the uh, championship topic. But nothing out outdoes. By the way, that that goal that you were talking about, did you watch it uh, your- from, from, from Ravel Morrison? He gets to the end and that's one of those moments where you're like, no, 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 just oh, no. Just anything. Oh, and he thinks it. 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 He thinks it. He
1: fears. He thinks the ball. Yeah. Everybody needs to watch this goal. It's if it's like Barcelona doing it or oh, whatever, everybody's like going nuts about it. This is yeah. Derby County. It was absolute art Uh, and and it begins with a great tackle as a former defender you should be proud of that
0: it was a great tackle then some build-up play some good combination play hard entry ball into somebody who lays it off gets it out wide to morrison who starts driving inside and just a really unbelievable finish and then you look at the pitch and you're like, the pitch is definitely rougher than the Premier League. You see all the things, you know. <laughs> it's not yet yeah, when pretty. the tackle happens, you see just the number of players all in the same sort of picture frame where you're like, Oh yeah, they're scrapping for second balls. And the way it plays out, when you see that just touch of class to just dink it, you're like, Oh, this is what Mo Salah does when he gets alone with the goal. It game. was it
1: was such strength, right? it was like it was like the it, it you know what it is? The football version of the chef kiss. That's yeah. literally what it was. Just like boom. Please watch it. Amazing stuff. That is it from Heath Spears and yours truly. That was our weekend recap. Keigo Lasso, by the way, as I mentioned very soon, Napoli against Milan, Paramount Plus. Make sure that you head over, get your seven-day trial. But also this week is a Champions League week coming up. So we got the Champions League preview, USMNT hour, and so much more content. Heath Spears, always a pleasure, my man. Thank you so much for being part of the show. What are you doing for the rest of your day? Oh,
0: man. Uh, I don't know. I, we've got friends coming to town. So I'm going to get I'm going to get sent to clean. Uh, <laughs> that's what I did on Friday. Friday. Yeah. 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 So that's it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, you know what? I started rewatching Homeland. So, oh. I, you know, we're in season five right now. And uh, I got to tell you, Claire Danes, probably the best performance by an actress on television I've ever seen. Harry Matheson, I think uh, uh,
0: a, a lot of a lot of funny facial expressions though to be fair. Yeah, oh, well, a well, lot she, of crying. Doesn't she cry a lot if I remember the show? I mean I only, I, I, don't, I never finished it but or not it's in crime, most, but like a distraught face constantly.
1: It's it's uh, her crying face is not good. It's yeah. not good. It's it's worse than Kim Kardashian's. But it her and Carmela Soprano by the great Edie Falco to me are the best ever two performances in a drama by a by an actress. But anyway, that's my evening. I hope you have a great evening, everybody. Que lasso pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolaso Heath Pierce. You can follow him on Twitter, on Instagram, LME, LME Chegaray on Twitter, Luis M. Chegaray on Instagram as well. And like I said, Kegolaso, we keep on rolling. We never stop. Well, one day a week. Apart from that, we don't stop. But have a great, great rest of your day. We will see you next time. Till then.